India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Good morning everyone this is Rohit Srivastava from India Charts giving you my market update for the 10th of June 2020 this morning we've tried to attempt a little higher but are selling off a little bit at this moment but what we've seen is a is the first uh, reaction since the market started to rally from 8800 a couple of weeks back and the question i think on everyone's mind is whether this rally is coming to an exhaustion or is it going to continue now of course i always share my opinion on these podcasts but i have some people talking about what about levels whether it's going from here to here and there to there which is something i've tried to share in couple of my recent videos on youtube not posting one today because i'm doing this podcast uh, but the idea is to do you know level to level analysis more uh, for the nifty daily report which goes out to subscribers but i do share my opinion here and key important levels on a broad basis for example i think i already said over the last 2 months that as the market started to bottom out and rally from 8000 that we are probably not going back to 7500 in a hurry so i think that's the first thing that uh, we already done with still i think every time the market pauses even for one day or two days i get asked the same question are we going back is this done is this wave b over and uh, what i've been thinking is while we can continue to mark this as wave b till 61.8% you need to be open to the idea that it is not wave b i think that's the big picture that i've been uh, trying to explain to subscribers even though i have not really changed uh, that count i've just kept it open is it 1 or a 2 or b and 3 or c going on because even though if you just look at all the other markets what they have done we can clearly see the us the european markets dax the dow jones or the nasdaq all of them have gone past the 61.8% mark over the last month which very much changes the narrative of this simply being wave b in fact nasdaq is now at an all time high so you have to think whether uh, this is now you can argue an expanded flat is it wave e of an broadening pattern so actually at this at the start of april uh, when i was also thinking okay maybe this is just a counter trend move uh, but then as the nasdaq went on higher i said maybe it can do wave e of an expanding pattern so that was one of the possibilities we'll see whether that is still on the cards but having gone that far the question is why can't india also do the same now a lot of asian markets have actually been in a bear market for more than 2 years very similar to the mid cap index in india i think since 2018 most markets were down Uh, only india mainly the main index nifty managed to make a higher high along with the us but uh, asia didn't really do so so they are not really near uh, their major retracements but it depends from where to where you take so if i simply take it from the jan or feb top uh, then we are probably close to that 10550 on the nifty is the 61.8% mark that should be in debate right now but uh, say the mid cap index it wouldn't really be at that place if we consider the entire sell off from uh, the high that it made 2 years ago but if we take it only again for mid caps from the jan high then we've done a 50% retracement we've not reached close to 61.8% uh, but whereas the nifty's crossed the 50% mark but uh, short of 61.8 we've actually paused now the question is how far down will this pause go i think in the very short term uh, yesterday in the video i said maybe the 20 hour average if we were going to extend and if we've broken that it means we get some kind of pullback which we've done back to 10100 or so i thought maybe 10100 is a first support even if that breaks we have 9944 that the previous swing low we made uh, which on the daily chart would be the fourth wave low so usually you can retest the fourth wave low 
The worst case scenario, of course, is that uh, you pull back all the way to the 20-day average, which will be closer to around 9600 or 9700 maybe now. And that would be deep. Uh, again, I wouldn't expect it. But if it does happen, it doesn't change the overall picture uh, that uh, you are, uh, you know, slowly making higher tops and higher bottoms because the previous higher bottom on a medium term basis now has moved to 8800 from what was 7500. So you've made the first higher bottom. And then uh, if you do pull back and make another higher bottom, well, that's all it would be. So to start taking a call that you're starting to, you know, you're going to make lower lows uh, is really a big call to take. And one of the reasons why over this weekend, I think a lot of people have been concerned and have been wanting to take that call all over again has been a couple of data points coming out of especially the US, not India. Mind you, because the put call ratio in India is really not near the highest that it was in January. But uh, as far as the US uh, PCRs are concerned, they have actually gone back to where uh, they were in January, in fact, much lower, giving an indication that probably the market is over bullish because people are buying more call options than they did the last time and therefore there may be a reason for expecting a correction so that was one of the reasons that came out a couple of days ago the next one uh, over this weekend was a close look at retail activity so i think that's what started to show up uh, you also saw me retweet a little more detailed analysis of that done by prashant nair on cnbc that uh, you know looking at even the indian scenario where uh, zero is showing a lot of new accounts being created uh, in the months of april and march but what do i know uh, uh, having worked in the broking industry and speaking to people there is that moment you had the lockdown and a lot of people were home they actually became active in the stock market so that was like a boon for the broking industry people sitting at home or people who had lost work uh, or doing lesser business thought why not participate in the financial markets and uh, that's what they have done and so that may be one of the reasons why we've seen a huge flow and opening of accounts on Zeroza. maybe even people who had accounts elsewhere thought that was a low price place to go and start trading and that's what they ended up doing and it's done a lot of revenue I think on the broking side we've seen activity pick up and volumes in general picked up because both on the panic side a lot of people sold and then on the other side people who thought prices had come down a lot bought and so that volume is really generated good business so is this really a signal of euphoria is the question that people are trying to raise and if it is a euphoria then it's going to end and it's going to fall off a cliff now i'm not sure whether i can really call this euphoria i haven't seen too much historical evidence of wave b euphoria which means when you start a bear market for example if you topped out in jan 2008 when you made the lower high in march or april i think april of that year was there euphoria was that this kind of mad buying into stocks the short answer is no i haven't seen it then i haven't seen it in the counter trend move in 1992 i haven't seen it in the counter trend move of 2000 even though then in my early wave analysis learnings uh, i wondered whether abc was complete because you had a three wave correction from march of 2000 all the way into may of 2000 and it was a very very steep cut and so i did think for a while that it's bottom because abc is done and i was still uh, early days in the application of elliott waves but at the same time i'd also taken a view that we could be in a one year long bear market but that was the first point at which i tried to judge that but was the subsequent rally that occurred from there when the sensex had hit almost 3800 it went back to 5000 which is pretty good but the all-time high was 6000 it was only a 50 to 60 percent retracement and i doubt i can say there was wild euphoria in the markets in fact the time when volumes really picked up back to records was a one year later at much lower levels in the index and that too ended at a retracement so we are not seeing that in india like i said pcrs are not high you can't really see call buying activity in fact the 
total put interest is much lower i look at the volume put call ratio so if you're really looking at volume of uh, pulls to calls calls being traded in india we are nowhere near where you see tops because typically that ratio comes down to around 0.4 to point less than 0.4 close to uh, you know even medium term highs or important highs even corrections that can occur in an uptrend and we are still getting readings of 0.7 just a couple of days ago not going below 0.6 and 0.5 recently so the readings are still pretty pretty high which shows more bearishness than bullishness in the market as far as india is concerned us data looks very very different and uh, what i started to think about then is at least in india's case that the reason why you're seeing this activity apart from of course people sitting at home if it is genuinely an entry of retail into the direct market because that was something that has been missing throughout the time period from 2013 i think to now where it became you know mutual fund sahiye was the uh, main action point and the reason was that people who got hit by the 2008 crisis and then the subsequent uh, consolidation from 2010 to 13 moved into mutual funds instead of doing fno and so total options volume and the options open interest has went up to almost 70% of the market which used to be 20 30% of the market in the previous bull market uh, most people participated in futures now most people are participating in options and so that shift happened and everybody then ended up investing most of their balance equity into mutual funds or you know alternative investment plans so this may be the first time we actually seeing direct equity come back where people are directly buying stocks even if they are small accounts uh, but uh, this uh, action may be then the start of investors coming back to the uh main market if at all that is an indication that's definitely happening in the us a uh, lot of participation has been there last year also and now after this sell off again coming back uh, retail is participating in uh, trading a lot so that's definitely a truth uh, but then uh, these trends can last for months or years i mean uh, if you haven't been through a bubble like bull market you probably not seen it before because we didn't see it visually in 2008 although uh, one of the observations that was given to me at the peak of 2008 and when i was not yet i was still looking at it extending higher was in jan 08 uh, one of uh, the former derivative analyst that we had told me that a lot of people were really opening accounts at his franchise from coming in from villages and you know uh, just to apply for the reliance uh, ipo the reliance power ipo and so that was a signal that retail was really you know getting sucked in because they were opening dp accounts for the first time in their life for an ipo and so you see those kind of signals but if you really go back to 2000 and 2000 or you go back to 1992 you've really seen euphoria on the streets where you know people would be lined up to apply for ipos and this would go on for months and months as participation rates were very very high in the market from the public at large so to expect that these trends end in a jiffy that doesn't always happen uh, we saw the mutual fund thematic go on for a long period of time till flows reached a new all time life record before uh, the markets and mid caps really peaked out so the same thing if this is really a beginning of retail coming back to broking uh, in a big way then uh, probably we are seeing uh, you know markets really you know start something that could be bubbly rather than end something so that was the tweet i was really making on twitter this morning that you know when someone asked me is it the beginning or the end and i had actually written that you know does it doesn't always mark the end because many times when you see a recovery from a major bear market or major uh, sell off and if you see readings that go off the cards they could be any sentiment readings this is one of them another one is simply look at advanced decline ratios that you know go through the roof in a recovery so if you actually look at 2008 uh, 
moment you started that march 2009 recovery rally into may and june the ad ratios went from extreme negative that you know you've never seen probably in 10 15 years to extreme positive which went past all the highs that it made in the last in the previous period and so that's what happens in the first move simply because everybody starts to participate all stocks that had been beaten down start making v shaped recoveries and it causes a big visible feeling of euphoria but it is usually the mark of the start of a recovery phase and the reason that happens is that when stocks have fallen to a point where there is value uh, and once the selling is exhausted then the value buying that you get in itself creates this kind of a feeling that you know there's a euphoria going on when it's only the beginning of the move so that's what you really need to judge about what has happened just now because uh, while the nifty may look like it fell 40% from the jan high which was an all time high in reality the underlying stocks and sectors have been through bear markets lasting for several several years some of them peaked in 08 and have been down for almost a decade some of them peaked like the auto sector 2 years ago mid caps uh, peaked 2 years ago and the pharma sector peaked 4 years ago and after having gone through that uh, many stocks uh, at the lows were available at you know through our valuations whether it's on the basis of replacement cost or you look at you know book value and you'll find them at 0.3 book 0.2 book you know crazy kind of levels dividend yields of 8 to 5% which even the banks are not paying for you know fixed deposits anymore and when you get those kind of readings uh, and these are not necessarily all highly indebted companies that needed to be beaten down uh, some of them not even having any pledge share commitments so if you do that kind of analysis and you say something's available at a throwaway price for no reason value investing steps in and creates rallies that are meaningful and so that's the first wave usually comes on the back of value buying where people try to pick up cheap stocks uh, i think apart from i think one interview i sent out of vetri who's the vetri subramanian's the head of uti i think i put it out on my newsletter who was also saying something similar that you know uh, even if you can't forecast markets the the opportunity in value was clearly visible and you needed to be buying that for the long term and i think that's the reason i sent that interview a few people really saying that surprised me i thought more would be because a lot of people in the fund industry or even some of the big investors who are you know always on television and irrespective of earnings growth being poor over the last few years would say simply you need to invest for the long term are no are all sounding worried right now even on this recent bounce back where we are still down more than 20% from the highs and they feel that oh why is it come you know it's rallied too much and there's risk and what will happen in the future when frankly nobody knows more about the future than anybody uh, in this covid situation as to whether there'll be a second round but clearly the data has taken some risks off i mentioned it in my previous podcast when most of the cases 75% of them and the 45 plus bracket and more than 50% in the 60 plus bracket meaning that mostly it's happening to aged or people with pre existing conditions of uh, various illnesses then uh, while the lockdown has definitely helped in you know not creating a health hazard or you know overcrowding the medical system what it has done is it has pulled the economy back but people can quickly then get back because we know the risk levels we know that it's not going to harm everyone some people will get it and recover from it and once you can learn to manage around it the economy can start moving again the question is of course are you going to go back to 100% or are you going to go back to 90% is your end of year growth going to be just minus 5 6% and then at a 20% lower market are we really accounted for that because uh, the 20% lower is just the main index stocks like i said and sectors have been down much longer and much deeper and provided potential value for the subsequent recovery so if something has fallen 80 90% and presents value if it really rallies 20 30% 
or 50% like the pharma stocks did, they moved 50% from the March lows. Does that mean that they've gone back to the all-time highs? Absolutely not. But does that mean that uh, they are overdone with? Uh, probably not because they are just recovering and this may just be the first wave of recovery. They may go through pullbacks and may continue higher again from there. So that's the big perspective. I think this big crash has created a value opportunity. Uh, at scale, if you really uh, go out and search there, which is the reason why I think a lot of buying is coming in, especially in the broad market. And that may simply continue and keep the underlying momentum of the market positive. So the breadth or what we call the market internals will continue to show that the market is strong. Unless the marketing internals deteriorate, there's no reason to believe that we are going back to new lows. But that doesn't mean you can't get short-term corrections simply because uh, people went over board on the buy side and needed to unwind a bit and that's definitely going to happen so do we drop to 9944 and go up or do we drop to 9700 and then go up is just a matter of time and price uh, but i don't think the trend is really likely to change anytime soon now the other thing that we will end up doing is we start making comparisons with 1929 now the comparisons are valid i myself have written about india's economic winter over the years and every time i sound out bullish as I tried to do a bit for the reflation trade 1.0 2017 then partly in September I thought probably that trade resumed because the dollar had almost retraced 80% of its decline since 2017 but uh, that was not the case the dollar index still tried to go higher and now what we have is a double top almost in the dollar index as it came close to the 102 market it touched 104 in 2017 and so when we are selling off from there, we are actually resuming the bear market that started in 2017 only after our almost 90% plus retracement. So pretty steep retracement, which is why it almost looked like the dollar bull market was back. And that debate went on between hedge funds. If you really listen to all the hedge funds on YouTube and online, many of them had turned dollar bullish. But over the last couple of months, they are slowly, some of them are realizing that the trend has changed and you move back from deflation to inflation. There are a couple who are still arguing at the out the alternate view. I mean, if, if I had to take names, probably the loudest has been uh, Santiago Capital's uh, Brent Johnson talking about something called the milkshake theory, which makes a lot of sense in terms of the dollar demand. Uh, but as I was thinking, because he put out a tweet storm this morning to myself, I was thinking that while the theory of yes, a lot of demand because US has to borrow emerging markets to con debt, uh, there's also the other side that what happens when you keep printing is that that money, I mean, if the people who own currency in that underlying uh, currency, which is printing its way out, uh, which is mostly the US right now, which, because they're doing trillions. And I think even in the last few days, the Fed, which had stopped excessive buying in the repo market, has again started to buying almost $100 billion is a chart I saw this morning. Uh, they did on a single day recently. Uh, maybe in the last couple of days, don't know the exact date, but they went back up to buying a lot of uh, bonds, doing a lot of repo operations. So when they are putting in that kind of money, uh, then where is that money going to go? So directly it has an impact. People who are watching know it's on the dollar. And if they want to protect their position in the dollar, what will they do? They will move out of the dollar to other assets. Now, whether those other assets are commodities or it's just gold, but why can't it be what it has historically been, at least what we saw from 2001 to 2008, is that money moved into emerging markets. And that's something people find hard to believe because over the last decade when the dollar was strong, emerging markets actually took a hit. So Russia, uh, Brazil, I mean, if you can just take the break, uh, Russia, Brazil, India, China, I think India did the best. Most of the other markets uh, for a long time were down. Brazil came out of that, I think, two years ago because they took a lot of measures to finally sort out their problems and 
uh, you know, managed to bring interest rates down. But of course, in this recent sell-off in March, all bond yields across uh, emerging markets spiked. In fact, India spiked the least because RBI this year became more active in the bond market. But what we have seen eventually is that all the emerging markets from uh, Brazil to Russia, the bond yields, in fact, Russian bond yields have gone back lower than where they were in January. Okay, Brazil has gone back to where it is almost like a, a, a double low. In India, we have gone back to a lower low. China went to a lower low and is now just bouncing back a bit from there. And in short, what that means is out of four of the brick, three have seen bond yields go to a lower low than they had spiked up to in, uh, you know, from in January, meaning that we are seeing lower interest rates across these places now. And uh, that itself for countries where, uh, you know, a lot of debt got created. So if you look back at the entire structure, 2001 to 2008, when US was creating most of the liquidity through debt, it created the housing bubble. After the housing bubble in 2009-10, most of the debt was created in emerging markets and uh, through corporate debt in emerging markets. And so that added up almost 9, 10 or 12 trillion dollars worth of new credit had been created. And so people got worried. Now that's going to hit emerging markets if the dollar is rising. And now with the Fed intervening on the dollar in such a significant way, you have the dollar falling and interest rates going down in emerging markets, which now eases pressure on the emerging markets that had overborrowed. So you have a very different situation. The falling dollar eventually could be considered a negative for US, but what the US is doing, it's just standing in front of its bond market and buying bonds, not allowing that to happen, simultaneously pushing down the dollar, easing pressure on emerging markets. So suddenly, uh, what all that means is you have gone from a risk off environment to a risk on environment where suddenly the bond market risk, which was the biggest risk because of the debt cycle, too much debt in the world, has been eased for the time being. Until that problem comes back again loudly on its own when markets themselves start to show that, you know, they can't take the pressure of uh, all the debt outstanding. Till that point of time, you remain in a risk on mode. So that's what you really need to watch out for rather than, you know, taken away by the narrative of, you know, retail investors buying too much, which we really can't, uh, you know, at a macro scale, I don't know what is the percentage of that in total volumes. And if you look at total positioning, which is in, uh, say, the CFTC futures uh, positioning, they're not really excessively long. They're probably longer uh, in, in Jan. They probably had more longs than they have right now. In fact, one of the reports which was there on Zero Hedge and was tweeted to me on showed that actually the hedge funds are starting to cover short. So a lot of the recent buying came because the hedge funds which were shorting the market thinking it's just going to top out and fall because of the economy, suddenly you are forced to start short covering and buying. And so that was the other reason why US markets got a flip in the last uh, few weeks. So these are the big trends. I think people are coming to realize that all the money printing is bigger than what the uh, markets can handle. And so markets move from what was a deflationary cycle which would have been similar to 1929 to the inflationary cycle, which is now a completely different period. And I think we don't always understand what happened in the 1920s. I've read so many different narratives from different people that sometimes you'll realize that the problem really was not 1929. It started from World War One, which was all the way back to 1918. Then you had a deflationary decline and then they tried to print their way out of it. And you got Weimar Germany's hyperinflation in 1923-24. And then again, they changed their currency backing and, uh, you know, again, you had a booming period for some while and the US went through its uh, great bubble because of the reflations that were done around the world in the 20s. And then when you look at it in that front, we are still going through those multiple deflationary inflationary cycles, probably moved back from one round of deflation to another round of inflation. And until the next round of deflation shows up, 
you probably need to change your stance on the overall big picture because you've already seen $10 oil. In fact, you have seen negative oil in the futures market. And to expect that you're going to see that again next week or next month would be a fallacy of sorts because whatever caused it is no more now a part of the current market environment. So lastly, let me note that uh, when I wrote couple of my economic winter reports even last year and the last one I wrote was in December 2018 just before the the detailed one of course I write winter updates but the detailed multi-page report was at that time just when the broad market was topping out and uh, what I noted there is the only thing that would stop the market from going back so when you look at long term and you say fifth wave is over you say it'll go back to the fourth wave of lower degree and then so where was the fourth wave of lower degree so you can go to different degrees the first one would be around the 6800 mark we haven't gone there yet the second would be all the way back to where we were in 2013 at 5100 and like i said earlier this is you know value in terms of value we are back to at least close to where we were in 2013 because that's the last time stocks were at these kind of levels beaten down because of the mid cap cycle so when we are so which level is going to be the one that we would go back to given the ending pattern we saw in january and so those were all open levels and i said that while those are possible which one is it going to be so people would always ask me and i would try to deviate that question because what you don't know in advance is you don't know what the government action is going to be so because when you get a deflationary crash are they going to sit back and so the comparison with 1929 is and what people don't know is the president then if i'm not wrong Herbert Hoover, whoever is it, it was what he did is he decided that well if the banks are failing let them fail now that's a decision of the government that is in in power at that point of time and if they allow it to fail is why the dow lost 90 percent from the peak in a matter of two years and then the fed stepped in and you know said no we need to bail out these banks and they started to recover but by then a lot of banking failures had already happened it's similar to allowing one layman fail and then bail out everybody else not letting the dow fall below 7000 which is what robert prechter was expecting from elliott wave international so he thought that you know the super bear market of 2008 would have broken 7000 and the dow would go to 1000 but the government stepped in now somewhere he said oh it will not work if they step in but whatever they did has led to another 10 years of bull market and so the same in case of India, India was going through its own debt cycle similar. I mean, we are we lag behind the US by almost a decade and US did whatever it did between 2000-2008. We had our own expansionary cycle now through uh, what we call consumption cycle and we had excessive debt. Now we are dealing with it. So we dealt with it. We allowed ILFS to go down. Uh, but then we are now saying that we are not going to allow, allow any of the banks to fail. So when the government puts a floor under the sell-off, then it can actually limit the extent to which it actually goes down. If they start printing money, they can actually inflate things for a while. And that's what you need to be perceptive about. And I think that's what we are facing around the world right now is that everybody is being proactive in intervening in their financial markets, which is where you need to limit your downside expectations and look at what is going on right now and wait for the next thing to happen rather than expect it right away because uh, the narrative probably is still not there and it has actually changed from uh, deflation to inflation so that's all in this update for you today a lot of a lot of things to think about and get onto the right side of the market thank you Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.